on today's episode. Yeah, that's right. And you you do tend to adopt this this mindset of um, kind of like you always learn from every process that you go through. So nothing is wasted. Nothing is seen like oh this is this is a failure because at every step of the way you're you're improving. You're you're making little tweaks here and there. You're um, putting together something that maybe can work a little bit better the next time you try it out. Well, the next curve, FC Sam Hickson is in to lie in wait. Got a band of rushers on the You're at home. We're stacked. Hey, welcome back to another episode of At Home with Stacked. Now, have you ever wondered what architects in Singapore actually do? You see, joining me today is the very lovely Jacqueline Yeo from Ply Studio Architects. Now, she's been in the industry for over 15 years now and co-runs her company with a partner, Mr. Victor Lee. Together, they've worked on many projects, both uh, abroad and locally, including some of the more famous ones, like the recent Waterway Point and Changi Hotel. On today's show, we discuss the value that architects can bring to our homes and, perhaps more importantly, we learn that it doesn't have to cost us all that much. Along the way, Jacqueline also shares some very interesting insights on her line of work, as well as tips that homeowners like you and me can adopt when approaching architects for the very first time. Now remember, if you like what you listen to, you can always hop on to stackedhomes.com editorial for more of this right after the show. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Hi, hi Ruben. Hello. How was your week like? Mine was spent mostly um, adjusting back to to coming into the office. I think the last time we spoke, we were still working at home. Um, now we're mm-hmm. trying to adjust slowly back to working in the office. It, it's been a very nice time working from home. So it's a little bit of adjustment <laughs> coming back into the office. And actually, it's, um, it's fantastic because my office is like a street away from my pottery studio. So... Um, that's that's a that's the nicest part about working from the office. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like my little silver lining <laughs> in my cloud. Is it something that um, you've always been into pottery? I have, I have. Um, so I started doing ceramics maybe when I was about thirteen, fourteen, and mm. it was at on and off. Um, I really got into pottery uh, just before I had my first first child so that was mm-hmm. quite a number of years ago now and then I stopped for a period of time but when I started my office um, again um, it so happened that a street away was a pottery studio so I was I thought oh that's amazing it's like um, it's fated that I have to get back into pottery so mm-hmm. about three years ago I went back into it again and I um, it's it's really been quite consistent throughout the whole time because proximity-wise, it's so near me and it's also a very nice way to de-stress, get away from work, work and, and do something that is purely about making with your hands. So that's, that's sure. quite nice, yeah. Sure. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like architecture. I mean, at the end of the day, architecture is about building, um, getting yes. your design process together and yes. pottery yes. is kind of a semblance of that doesn't it get it very is, similar at some point um, 
yeah, you're right. Um, there's a lot of things which are quite similar in certain aspects. There's that whole uncertainty about what's the actual product going to be at the end of the day, even though you could have planned and designed for it, right? Um, but because it goes into this natural firing process in the oven and mm -hmm. different, like, the, the glazes work differently under different kinds of temperatures. So you are never like 100% sure that what you have thought about, like the vision that you had for that piece of artwork would have eventually really turn out to be exactly like what you planned for it to be. Right. So it, it's basically uh, a few external factors that mm. in a way you don't really have control of. Yes. Right. And, and the interesting thing is that you can't troubleshoot because once you get yes. the guy out of the oven, he's baked, he's done, you know, he's finished. So you just got to roll yes. with what you have. Yeah, that's right. And you, you do tend to adopt this this mindset of um, kind of like you always learn from every process that you go through. So nothing mm. is wasted. Nothing is seen like, oh, this is this is a failure because at every step of the way, you're you're improving, you're, you're making little tweaks here and there, you're... Um, putting together something that maybe can work a little bit better the next time you try it out. So right, you're bu yeah. basically building experiences. You uh, are. And those help yes. you in the future. You do, yes, definitely. Um, so what? Mm. Okay, tell us a little bit more of um, what is architecture based on the Singaporean scene. I think in in a lot of ways, um, architects are the the people who have been trained to look at spaces in a certain way, to look at how spaces relate to each other. So whether you're talking about a home or you're talking about a school or any other sort of building, um, we have been we are we are trained to to look at them and to be able to give a very um, uh, objective sort of. Uh, um, reaction or, or vision to tie all the spaces that you think you require into a holistic uh, built form. So, so in layman terms, it's it's a little bit like if you go to um, uh, how do I put that in a more layman term. So um, <laughs> in a way, it's kind of like um, interior design, uh, yes. but before it even becomes interior design. Does that make sense? Yes, 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 absolutely. Interior design is really about the interior spaces. So you would already have a shell to work with, right? You would already have, let's say, where your where your living rooms are, where your, your wet areas are, where your dry areas are, where your external areas are and inter internal areas are, for example, right? But maybe there are possibilities within your your property that would allow you to relook at the definition of these areas. So maybe mm. your bathroom does not need to be in that particular location or your kitchen doesn't need to be in that particular location. So um, what we do is we look at it as a holistic uh, uh, set of relationship uh, spaces that have a relationship to each other and we try to um, talk with the client so we always feel that it is a collaborative exercise between us and and what the clients require so uh, so they will come to us we will have a number of conversations and we will then look at what they need uh, before we do any sort of uh, recommendation to them sure 
And, and mm. this is mostly for landed property, I'm assuming? Uh, yes, mostly for landed property. So, um, But of course, we, we also do look at um, interior spaces. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think the, the value add to a landed property is def- definitely a lot more if you, if you come to, to us for any advice. Obviously, mm-hmm. with a landed mm-hmm. property, there's a lot more uh, variables that can happen. So, so if you were to, um, let's say, do an A&A or to do a, a new build, then you can really relook at all these uh, spatial relationships that I talked about. Sure. Have you ever worked mm. with uh, condos, for example? Mm, actually, to be, uh, when we first started out, it was quite an interesting exercise for us. We, we started with, um, quite interestingly, on some of the really, really small uh, condominium apartments, which, mm-hmm. uh, which, which became an exercise in redefining what an interior space has to be like. So, um, so one of the things that we talked to our clients about, and a lot uh, of our clients uh, wanted in the in the solutions, became something that I think is not something that they would have thought about if they were to to look at their, um, say, their condominium floor plans, for mm-hmm. example, and say, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this is the best solution for, for my living, um, for my live, like day-to-day living, right? So, um, so what we did was we started to look at the interiors almost as, um, as a sort of an intervention that we can do that would allow them to, um, on some occasions, uh, modify the space that they were given with by by putting in like movable walls, for example. In one project, mm. we did like a movable movable box that acted as a demarcation between the study and the living room. But because the study wasn't used all the time, so the living room could actually be expanded, and that that became um, almost like a system for reorganizing the whole space of that interior, for example. So that. That was quite interesting series of projects that we we were we did sure. when we first yeah when we first looked at interior spaces. And, and what is um, one thing, or rather, mm. what what do you think is the most important quality? Mm. Since we're on the topic of uh, spaces, right? Mm. Uh, you met you mentioned the dry areas, the wet areas. Yes. Um, yes. Based on all these spaces. What is the most important quality uh, or some of the most important qualities that you feel a home should have? Mm, I think definitely being in the tropics, it's, it's a lot of uh, considerations of uh, tropical environment. Uh, there's always this consideration of um, ventilation of the rain coming into the spaces. Um, at the end of the day, you do want a very livable sort of interior space. And um, we have been... Uh, quite uh, interested to see because um, we have been doing a number of terrace house projects now and and you know in Mm -hmm. Singapore the terrace house or the row house is is quite deep and because you have solid walls on both sides of your of your land um, you almost Mm. don't have any light coming in at all so it was uh, through discussion with the clients how we can inject light into the space and inject inject uh, spaces of ventilation into sure. into these deep uh, deep floor plates right um, it, it's very interesting because yeah. uh, I have a place in mm. in JP Malaysia mm. uh, and it's exactly the same 
right? Ah, um, okay. I love my giant windows. Yes. I have always. Um, I think when I travel, when I'm mm. on Airbnb, I'm always looking for places <laughs> with bigger windows because that gives yes. you more light coming in. That gives you more. Definitely. It feels more grand, right? Yes, <laughs> you feel yes, a lot more yes. free. You yes. don't have to go out of the house yes. to be outside of the house, if, if yep, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, exactly. And the problem with this home in, uh, in JB is that mm. it's so big. It has like five toilets and all that stuff. But wow. the walls are so thick, right? And right. the windows are kind of so tiny. So... <laughs> Like by the time it's like evening, like we're talking yes. like five thirty, right? Even yes. before the sun sets, the yes. inside is already kind of dark. So you got to turn on right. the lights and all yeah, that stuff, and yeah, it's yeah. it's Absolutely. a little bit sad sometimes. So yes. I, I definitely get. So you do um, need an architect to look at it. <laughs> well, maybe we can, we can let's talk after the podcast. Yes, uh. yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Could be like a case study uh, first day. Sure, um, sure. But okay, actually, on that note, um, mm. Jacqueline. Mm. Uh, I guess there's a very big question on people's yeah. minds, right? Yes. Um, you always talk about contractors and then you talk yes. about architect. What yes. is the difference between architect-led building versus mm. contractor-led building? Mm. Right. It is an interesting question. I mean, um, well, I would like to pre- preface it by saying that I have, uh, we have deep respects for, for, arch- for contractors. I mean, we, we work a lot with the contractors and sure. um, we, we really respect them on their knowledge of building. Um, and I, I believe that to make any successful building work, um, you need a very good contractor on board. So I'm not saying that all contractor-led projects are, are not Desirable, and mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Con- on the other just, side, just a on disclaimer. The flip side, yeah, I know. <laughs> so we don't get any backlash, right? Exactly. So on the flip side, <laughs> not all architect-led buildings are also very good. So it, sure, it, 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 it's the two sides of the coin, right? But um, I think what people don't quite understand is there is a difference in emphasis. So I think for for contractors, it's always um, very very much dollar well, like. Um, I guess how much things cost and how much mm. is it going to cost you how much it's going to to set you back in terms of time in terms of, of uh, budget whereas for the architecture firm um, it's always about um, how do I add the most value to what you have given me as your as your base right to work with so whether you want to do a new built building or a, or a more like an addition alteration sort of project um, I think our first our most initial kind of um, engagement with the clients is always how do we value add to what you have given us as so-called your problem or your or your first uh, piece of uh, uh, first cut to to what you want to do right so I think the approach is very different, definitely. Mm. So, so that's one of the main differences between an, a contractor-led and, and an architect-led. But of right. course, so, so it's sorry. So it's yeah. more of like, um, in a way, more personalized with architects. Is more, that what you're driving? Um, I would say uh, more more towards um, the ambition of the project is is not to to build a the biggest building <laughs> with the cheapest budget, I guess, mm-hmm. which is kind of where most people who just go directly to a contractor will be, will be, um, I think that's the mindset of most people that approaches a, a contractor, whereas the, the mindset of someone who approaches an architect would want to hear first to see, like say, uh, what's the value that, uh, that right. I can add on to my property. Right. You get perhaps. more finesse and function. 
I would say I with architects. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, maybe. I think you get a more well thought through um, end product. Sure. Because Very at nice. the end of the day, yeah, if if um, if it's just left to um, contractors, then it would be more of a like what you said previously right it was very unit based so if it's about a window then it's just about a window or if it's just about a roof extension then it's just about a roof whereas mm. i think for for architects because they look at space as a totality then it's about what kind of space are you adding on to your uh, uh, flat or or no your right. house or yeah Right, so because I mean, at the end of the day, you think about yes. it. If especially for homeowners, right, yes. and I mean, in fact, even investors who are renting yeah. out their units to tenants, yeah. so right. this is a place that you're going to be staying in. So you want to yes. enjoy the space that you're in, yes. right? I yes. I have seen units which have been just put together for the sake of being put together, mm. and then I have seen units that have been mm. put together. You know, mm. like really That's well right. Right. taught and, through. And yeah, mm-hmm. and a lot of times they don't actually cause very much difference. That's the frustrating thing about it for right. for well, us. What, what are the fees like actually? Uh, if um, we're going to be talking about fees, what, what are they like in general? You mean for for um, professional team for a professional to look at a project? Um, yeah, architecture wise. Okay, so I would always say that it is not. It's within the range of. Um, maybe 5 to 10% depending on the scope of the works and the, the, the extent of the works and whether sure. or not it is a um, there, there are also different types of homes landed homes so there's there's the ANA there is the new build there's also conservation um, there are various different types of involvement of the, of the professional uh, team for each of this project so obviously the, the percentages um increase or decrease according to mm-hmm. the complexity of the project sure. but it, but just it as a roughly is yeah it's ten. roughly yeah. around there which is like how much you pay for gst right because gst is like seven percent now i think yes, yes they yeah. haven't increased it so <laughs> yes it's around seven percent right so so i mean people do maybe they don't know how much an architect will cost or they feel that it's always um, their project is too small or too insignificant but I I sometimes do feel like there's so many wasted opportunities because um, because there's there's so much that can be done and yet when when they don't they're not exposed to what can be done it becomes more of a stopgap kind of solution Mm, in a way mm. Makes yeah, sense. Or uh, just to then. just to kind of uh, recap, when you said five to ten percent earlier, mm. uh, just for the mm. benefit of our listeners, yes. five to ten percent of the entire construction cost. So not land cost. Construction cost. Construction right. cost. Yes. I see. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, you've been working in this line for mm. <laughs> how, how long has it been? 15, yes, it's 15 been years many now? years. Uh, about yeah. that, Let's many years. Let's just leave it as been, that. Yes. Let's just leave it as that. Okay, well, you've yes. been in line for a couple of years now. Uh, what yes. do you think is the biggest challenge for your clients and yourself? Like when they first come to you? Right. Um, I think get, getting to speak a common language is, is more of a... I would call it a challenge, but I would think that it would be... Um, it would be something that, that one would need to prep um, prep the, the, the conversations or the, the kind of medium of engagement 
if you will、mm. because、um, mm. I think a lot of times when we talk about very technical drawings and very technical、um, uh, requirements、um, I think for most clients they find it too、uh, too foreign to what they can、sure. understand so we do need to to work quite hard at trying to make some middle ground of、uh, understanding so that、mm-hmm. so that they know exactly what The question is, and and how they can input、uh, their comments or their even like what they really really want. So to to tease out and to sieve out all these、um, requirements takes quite a number of meetings, takes quite a number of to and froing, and、mm. I think through through the years of experience, we have come to realize that certain things are quite easy for the client to understand and therefore to make a decision on, and then there are. Um, also, things which are quite difficult to 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 take apart, especially when you work with、um, multi generational families, for example. So you kind、yeah. of almost become both a psychologist as well as the architect, because you need to also manage expectations between family members of each other, as well、yeah. as、um, the eventual outcome of what it's going to be. Because maybe maybe one of one of the people、um, one of their Aims is to do certain things, but maybe it's not something that is shared across everybody. It's not what everybody wants. So how do you then manage that expectation? Is also so it calls on a lot of people skills, really.、Um, on top、so、of you being, kind of become yeah、uh, an intermediary of sorts. You do,、uh, yes,、right? you do, you do, and and you have to be quite neutral because、um, you don't really want to to get involved、yeah. in in that part.、Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the last thing you want. I mean, at the end of the day, family <laughs> stays as family. Yeah, whatever yes, feuds、absolutely. or agreements, they、yes. they decide that you come in as an external correct, correct.、Uh, party to to help、yes. them, and you you、yes. have to stay neutral in that sense. So,、mm. in essence, the owners kind of lies on you, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, Because most people who come, I, I'm assuming that not everyone who comes to you is an architecture expert. In fact, very few of them no. are. Yes, so、exactly. the onus on the onus lies on you to ask the questions. Yes.、Uh, what is one common question that you normally kickstart the conversation、uh, off with? Um, I always I always ask them,、um, what do you like to do,、uh, in your house,、um, when you are、mm. in, at home, over the weekend or when you come home from from work? What's your day to day, um, space that you go through when you're in your house, for example? Um, so different. Usually it's a family, so usually we try to engage everyone in the family to kind of understand、um, both a kind of day-to-day normal everyday happening situation, and also maybe on special occasions, what do they like to do? Do they are they like somebody that who likes to entertain a lot? Are they someone who doesn't like to entertain a lot and would prefer many, many small、uh, corners where they can just do their own thing most of the time? Just kind of hide away like a little、yes. table where they hide underneath <laughs>、uh, when your wife gets angry. Like, okay, this is my space. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 exactly. So that's Possibly, where、right? that's <laughs> where being <laughs> being a listener helps, right? Yeah. So yeah.、Um, actually, on on that note, right? So in a way.、Um, When you kind of ask them what they do on a daily basis,、mm. you are, in a sense, also kind of categorizing their their lifestyle, right? So some some of us, I feel personally,、mm. um, we just go and live our lives because everything is so 
hectic sometimes with work, mm. with the kids, mm. um, with relationships. You have to handle all those things, and you don't really give thought to what mm. you really do in a in mm. a day, in a typical mm. day. Mm. And by asking them, um, what are you, what do you actually do? Then they have mm. to think about it, and through that, they can even make some positive change. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the best thing. That would be um, a result in perhaps even how they they might structure their lives based on the the new layout or a new uh, way of uh, of spending time, more time at certain parts of their home. Maybe mm-hmm. it will give rise to. Uh, different activities taking place more often. Uh, maybe they would have more enjoyment of the outdoors, for example, or more enjoyment of uh, certain parts of of the house. If if it was planned in a certain way that um, it's a space that they can get get to very easily and very often. So mm. so yeah, maybe very nice. that, to yeah. kind of like break out of that mold, yes. right? Because. I feel that if you're going, if you're in the same house for so many, yes. so many, so many years, you develop certain habits. Yes. Um, and one of the biggest way to kind of break those habits, mm. uh, whether mm. good or bad, is to change mm. the space, right? Yeah, and especially in sure. Singapore, because yes, we are we are always sure. confined in those four walls, yes. right? So yes. that's very, very interesting. Uh, I guess yeah. to bring awareness. Uh, yes. and, and through that Yes, especially with growth. the whole work from home and study from home thing that yes. just happened So the whole house has to be almost reconfigured all over again because of uh, spaces that you didn't usually use at every time of the day be- comes to the forefront So it's, it's quite interesting for me actually because now I know exactly where the breeziest corner of my house is, where the sunniest spot of my house is, so I can avoid there sitting go. there at certain times of the day. Um, and, and just things like that, because you don't usually uh, spend a lot of time, let's say, in a particular part of your house at that point of time, mm-hmm. because you're at the office, right? So, so it's very nice to have that very... Um, intimate relationship with the spaces that you occupy in the house and of course you have to carve out your own space because there's so many people living in the house and you want to have your own space sometimes when nobody can leave the house for example right so just to kind of go back a little bit um, what are some things then that uh, maybe any future clients that are coming to you, mm. listeners who are listening in, mm. what questions, uh, what should they prepare before coming out to you or maybe even uh, speaking to other architects? Mm. Um, I think they it would be good if they have a, um, uh, an idea in, in their minds about how they want to uh, see themselves um, utilising the space that they have they have purchased um, what is their most important space so sometimes we do um, we do go through with um, clients on for example budget versus like what your intention or your wish list is right so if their wish list is something that for example cannot be done with with all um, well the budget the limited budget that they have then you do need to um, be quite uh, quite clever about what you actually spend your money on and then you can have certain things that can be done first and then maybe at a later stage you can do the rest of your things when when like the budget um, is is possible or is sure 
yeah, when you have the budget to do so. So to have a wish list, but be able to prioritize your wish list according to what you feel is most critical to how you want this space to to be for your for your for your needs at the moment. Mm. Because I think a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times people tend to want everything, <laughs> and like they'll be, they they will usually come in and they'll say like, oh, but maybe in five years down the road, I would need to have this, 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 and maybe when ten、uh, years down the road, I would not be able to climb the stairs, so maybe I would need to have a lift and things like that. So, so yeah, I mean those are all the wish list items that they might want to have. But they also need to have a priority list where you need、mm. to have like maybe this is the most important few components that I really really want to enjoy,、um, in like the immediate like five years down the road. Sure, and、mm. actually you mentioned that part about like ten years down the road, I know I might not、mm. want to be climbing the stairs, for example.、Mm. What is one extremely important thing、um, mm. that? Homeowners who are coming to you or architects mm. Uh, mm. should note about like for the future to prepare for that. I think to me,、um, being、uh, being sustainable, but not sustainable in like put a lot of green walls in or look at timber construction and things like that. But sustainable in the fact that you are able to、um, have a very robust、uh, framework of of like the skeleton of. Of how you want to structure your your main spaces, and then from then on to build up、um, different things that can happen. So, in a way, you you build up like a, a skeleton framework of how you would want the most、sure. important spaces. Like a foundation, right? Yes, yes, that's right. And then,、um, as time changes, as maybe your life changes, the the people in your family grow or shrink, you can. You can start looking at the other spaces in different ways, or they can change according to how、uh, you your life、uh, pans out, right? Very nice. So basically,、yeah. don't don't paint everything at once on the slate. Yes.、Right? Keep some spaces open,、yes. or rather,、yes. paint some stuff, but make sure、yeah. that they, they are in simple colors、Flexible、first, and then、enough. you yeah. yeah exactly you add a little、exactly. bit more、uh, over the years. Yeah.、Um, okay. Yes. So. You have、uh, done so many projects. I was just looking at your website、uh, the other、right. day, yeah. And I see that you've actually worked.、Uh, you helped to design Waterway Point. What was that by you Waterway guys? Waterway Point. We were the interior archi-、uh, interior designers for the mall. Very nice,、mm. lovely. Because I I actually have a place、um, oh. right next to the Waterway Point, and、oh, I remember when it first、okay. came up.、Um, yes. It was so. There were so many people. Like on、yes. the very first it day,、was. it was just like you couldn't move. It like was. It, it, I know. You know, if it was in today's climate where you have like the COVID、yes. thing, right? That would、yes. never have happened, right? It was so <laughs> jam packed. And this was yeah, just a couple of years just, ago. Yeah, that's right. Um, we were we were actually. Talking to our photographer, it was almost impossible for him to get proper photographs of that space <laughs>、uh, because because there was always people there, and then you can't really photograph the space properly when it's so crowded. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, and and you know it it's so big as well. So it is. But、yes. I remember the first time we went、yes. there, there was like the entire east wing, and then yes, there was the west、right. wing, and then you have like、yes. the bubble tea downstairs. You that's have the right. Open air, uh, kopitiam、yeah. upstairs, yeah. and. <laughs> It it was really. 
I, I really liked uh, the interior personally. I'm not mm. big on malls, but that was really okay. well designed. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, based on that, I, I'm sure that you've had many memorable moments. So you mentioned yes. the photographer, for example, where yes. you couldn't get a shot. Um, yes. Can you share with us mm. one of the more heart-pulling, uh, like, you know, stories mm. over the years? So um, we did a project in Batam some time ago. It's for um, Indonesian and Singaporean uh, collaboration. It's a film studio, mm-hmm. but um, it was a very humble building. It was a, a old clubhouse, golf clubhouse that was uh, derelict, and we redid the the. We took on the existing skeleton and the roof mm-hmm. that was left behind, but we redid the entire interiors plus uh, floor slabs and and new walls. And um, we kind of reinterpreted the whole like Indonesian vernacular of like the zinc, zinc walls. You know the very very temporary sure. zinc walls, and also um, even used many many of the local materials like the lava stone from from that part of Indonesia, for example. So wow. at the end of the day, um, it it was also a very kind of man-made in a way building it was a very crafted building because even though it was uh, an it was an island and it was very difficult to get materials that were uh, manufactured to the island because it it cost actually a lot more to import materials than it was to hand make them um, on site itself wow so so what's interesting was we devised a way to build everything so it's like prefabrication like the super high-tech prefabrication but this was prefabricated by craftsmen on site so it wasn't done by machinery it was done by a, a few craftsmen and they would um very very diligently do all the casting on site with the form work and everything and there was such a level of pride in what they do that every time we went for a site meeting they were always very keen to show us um, they don't even do uh, because we were always asked for mock-ups and usually mock-ups are done um, in a smaller scale so they they would do like a half the size of what is the normal space the size that you need it to be right but because of the time that they have there and also the commitment level of this particular uh, group of contractors they they actually cast everything a uh, real scale and they would mount it up and then they would ask us okay are you okay with it or are you not okay with it if you're not okay with it we can try again and then we can show wow. you next week or the next time you come to site uh, what we really want to do. So, so to and fro, um, across the course of maybe about six to eight months, um, when the building was finally completed, I think the most heartwarming sight was all the contractors and all the workers were just looking at the building and they were quite, I mean, they, were, they looked like they were, they were really, really proud of what they have achieved at the end of the day. So I think that was, that was a really, really nice um, relationship that we had. With, with those people who built the, built that particular project. So that was quite sure. memorable. Definitely yeah. a very eye-opening yes. experience. Did you yeah. chip in with any of your um, pottery masterclasses? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> mm. uh, yes. That's a wonderful story. Thank you, Jacqueline, for that. Mm. Um, well, let's zoom out over the zoom mm. in a little bit mm. uh, on the current climate, right? The COVID-19 situation. Right. What yes. are some of the bigger issues that you feel that um, this has caused 
your industry? Um, I think definitely the construction industry has been very curtailed because of the whole uh, the whole dormitory cases right, um, right, being right. extremely high and and a lot of sites are virtually um, not moving because it's impossible to have anybody coming in or going out or, or actually coming to work on the on mm-hmm, the construction mm-hmm. site. So a lot of the works that we have been doing are, are at a standstill now. And I think what it really, really highlights is the this reliance on not just on the construction workers, but I think also a reliance on a very global supply chain. So I'm not sure if you if you, mm. I'm sure you know because you're building your house in JB, right? Sure. But um, <laughs> there's <Trying> like, to. <laughs> okay, but there's so many, there's this almost um, very, very strong reliance on things from all over the world. So, mm. so like the, like the marble could be from China, the electrical appliances could be from Germany, um, the window systems could be from Malaysia, the laminates that are used to do the carpentry work could be from Vietnam or, or Thailand. And and when the whole COVID thing happens, um, basically everything just stood still, like nobody could get anything from anywhere. And and mm. sometimes it makes you wonder, like for, for the Batam project, like what I mentioned previously, it was a conscious attempt not to have anything imported because it was just so expensive to get everything imported. Right. So right. there was this reliance really on like local materials, local resources, right? Um, mm-hmm. I always wondered like if it's possible even at this day and age to to be more aware and more conscious about um, where things come from and maybe that that will make people more um, conscious and more uh, prudent about uh, what we want instead of always going for the cheapest um, cheapest source I guess which is um, yeah which is what's happening now um, that's why we have this huge reliance on foreign labor as well mm-hmm. um, kind of like the bottom dollar right that over reliance on the bottom is, dollar yes it is and and I, I think it's it's going there I mean it's going in the right direction there are definitely uh, pursuits towards more um, uh, different ways of working different ways of of, uh, manufacturing different ways of building um, which we are also very interested in looking at um, pushing the boundaries of how we can actually make these more industrialized or less labor intensive um, projects uh, be be something that could be more uh, to could be seen as more of the norm in future so very mm-hmm. nice well that is uh, really lovely thank you again Jacqueline uh, <laughs> this has been a wonderful a wonderful episode yes. uh, before we let you go can yeah. you let our listeners know can you even tell me uh, where yes. can we go to view your work or maybe even to learn more about um, uh, Ply, uh, Ply yes. Studio Architects yes um, you can go to my website it's uh, studio.com. um that's where we have our works being shown as well as um, mm-hmm. we also have uh, um, some blog posts which are more to do with things that interest us and also sure. thoughts about things that are in progress, 
uh, works which maybe sometimes doesn't get to be built because it's either competition work or something happened along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's very important because some of the best ideas actually go into mm. that. So very important <laughs> not to miss those things as well. Once yes. again, thank you Jacqueline for your yes. time. Uh, I hope you. to have you back on the show in the near future. Yes, thank you so much. Once again, this has been an episode with the very lovely Jacqueline Yeo from Ply Studio Architects. If you're interested in reading more quality real estate content online, you can hop on to stackedhomes.com editorial. As always, if you have questions, comments or suggestions, feel free to drop us an email at hello at stackedhomes.com. Once again, thank you for joining me today. My name is Ruben Danaraj and I'll see you in the next podcast. Very mm. simple staircase, right? So, mm. so of course, it looks very minimalist. Uh, mini, uh, what was the word? <laughs> Minimalistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>